William Tincup, and I'm broadcasting live from the Greenhouse booth at HR Tech at 7116. If you're here, come by and, and say hello. Maybe do a podcast, talk about interviewing, all kinds of fun stuff. I've got Bonnie and Ryan with me today. Uh, why don't we do introductions so that everybody gets to know you all. Bonnie? Uh, Bonnie Tinder, founder and CEO of Raven Intelligence. Okay. And what does Raven Intelligence do? We are a peer review site. So think Yelp but for uh, HR software projects and implementation. So uh, customers come in, write reviews about their implementation and oh, wow. um, offer insight on uh, the lessons learned. Oh, we get to know we get to know where the bodies are buried. Oh, yes, oh. many. Oh, yeah, this right? Is, this is good. This is really good. Ryan, what about yourself? So I'm Ryan Kohler, uh, founder of Applicant Pro, I Solved Hire. Uh, stepped down about a year ago. Now I'm just at Refer.io. We do uh, talent community email engagement uh, for employers. So we send email job alerts. Yeah. So year to date, we just crossed a billion with a fifty wow. percent open rate. Now why did you stop down? Because you had. I mean, it's a successful company. It's running like a machine. I 10, guess ten thousand clients, three hundred employees. Yeah. yeah. Eleven years in a row on the five thousand list. Uh, but you know, I'm. It's pirates versus the navy. So I'm Captain Jack, and the bigger a company gets, the more Navy it becomes. Yep, um, yep. And Refer is a very different beast. Like, we're, we're at the very, very top of the recruiting funnel before somebody applies. Right. Can you follow up and engage with job seekers who are not actively looking to expand your brand, to provide tips and tricks and industry knowledge and that kind of stuff? I love it. Um, and so, yeah, that, it is a little bit different. I can kind of, like... On a random Tuesday, I can send two million emails out oh. with a, you know, how to use ChatGPT to be your mentor for an interview, as a good example. And so that that's ability to reach out to the job seeker base right. or the employee base instead of the employer base, right, um, is pretty powerful. Oh, I love that. I love what yeah. you're doing. That's fantastic. All right, we're going to be talking about interviewing, interviews, all kinds of stuff around that, so we can have fun. So let's do kind of the your favorite interview question. So, Bonnie, I'll start with you. I'll give you mine so you all can kind of get yours together. Mine's, we're all misunderstood. How are you misunderstood? And I ask every candidate the same question. So, of course, they're going to listen to this podcast and then game that in the future. But what's your favorite interview question? I think any time that you can get a answer that has specifics, it's great. So my favorite is tell me about an experience or tell me about a situation where you handled something that went really wrong. Right. And um, That's nice. Yeah. So uh, Things got twisted. That's fine. Life. Yep. Had you had you unwind it. That's right. Yeah. And um, and I think it's really telling with the answer because it shows number one the transparency of the individual to right. admit uh, you know a failure of some kind but also it shows the resiliency of you know what they did to overcome it so I think uh, really important characteristics to, to uncover there I love that Ryan what about yourself alright so my favorite one is it comes out of the humble hungry smart ideal yeah. team player book yeah. um, but it's who's somebody who's great at something that or better at something than you are that you care a lot about so it can't just be like, oh, Michael Jordan, he's great at basketball, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't care about basketball. It needs to be something at work that's like, oh, you know, Ryan Dice is really great at email marketing. Email marketing really matters to me. He's better than me because of X, Y, and Z. Oh, that like so it sets up the I'm humble. I'm also hungry. I know people in my space who are better than me. I know what makes us different. Therefore, um, 
Yeah, it's just, it gives you this self and social awareness aspect. I love that. Really, really fast. Love that. What a great question. I'm going to steal that. Absolutely yeah. steal that. I want to steal it too. <laughs> now, the flip side is if you're smart and you're listening to this, plug that question into ChatGPT along with your resume yeah. and the job description. description and say, you know, how should I answer this question? What things that have to do with the job should I be admitting? Not the I'm weak at this, but somebody I know is oh, yeah. better than me at this. Oh, yeah. That, and here's how they're better. So ChatGPT could flow that out really quick oh, and yeah. come up with a very, a, a very, a great framework to follow, not a script to follow, right. but a flow to follow of how do I explain this, what is my framework, how do I set the stage for it, um, that will check off all the like, I'm humble, but I'm hungry. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So beyond your resume, how do y'all seek kind of the information that's not said. In Texas, we have a phrase, it's, I hear what you're not saying. Um, and so there's things that are explicit in the resume or in LinkedIn bio, et cetera. How do you all tease out things that aren't there that are important to you? Ryan, I'll start with you. Um, yeah, I mean, the interviews, the easiest way, I like LinkedIn versus the resume. Right. To be able to see kind of like, do they get that LinkedIn isn't just a resume? Right. This is, if, if you're going to come into, say, one of my companies where we're projecting thought leadership. Right. Do you use LinkedIn to project thought leadership? Right. Or is it, you know, you're in the content marketing space, but everything on LinkedIn is about your job hunt and how bad it's been versus right. taking a stand on something about content marketing. Right. I should be able to see that you care about stuff inside of the world, inside your industry, inside your niche from what you're posting. I love that. And that's like, go look at LinkedIn. You see just a, I'm doing nothing with my network until I need something. Right. I need a job, like, or I got a job and then it's dead again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. not thought leadership. That's you, not building your network and adding value. And and you can see all that in the activity layer. Oh yeah, it's pretty yeah, yeah. pretty pretty easy see to who find they out. Follow. You can see how they're engaging in conversation. Are you a, a wallflower? You're just sitting on the sides watching. Are you uh, somebody who likes and thumbs up and thumbs downs, or do you actually comment? Or you know, at the highest pinnacle, do you create? Right. Do you actually start the conversation? which is something hugely missing in the HR space especially. 100%. Very, very low percentage of people, maybe not at HR tech, but in a normal SHRM conference, right. start the conversation. Right. They'll, they'll like, yeah, they yeah. might comment, but they don't start it. That's right, that's right. They, and they might even have the idea, they just don't put themselves out there. Yeah, reshare is way too easy. Oh yeah. And it's lazy. And I, I think that you get extra, you get extra points if you have original thought and ideas, and you can sense so much about somebody's voice and about honestly their intelligence. Also, with the way that they are engaging out on social media, um, and you know if they're funny, even better. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I love funny. Me too. And because I think it's uh, you know just it's intelligence displayed, if you can understand a problem and make it funny and make it relatable to everybody, humor is a big deal for me. Yeah, and me too. I, so, so what I would say is like in an interview, if the conversation feels natural and fun, and yet it obviously it needs to be focused around yeah, the whatever, competencies, yeah. The, the competencies, but if if I'm um, if I'm laughing during an interview, definite extra points. And um, so I, I would say what, what I try and tease out is the personality um, and you know how good is this person at building rapport and relationships because that's everything in our business. I love that. I love that. Best question a candidate has ever asked you. 
So this could be thoughtful, this could be probing, this could be anything you want, but the best question you've been on the receiving end. What, Ryan, why don't you go first? Yeah, you know, I don't, it's surprising, again, like that gap, candidates don't ask very many questions, and when they do, it's self-centered. And right. that's, that's not saying they don't deserve access to the information at any means. Like, 100%. you know, you can ask away at what the pay is and all that stuff. But then again, you could figure it out without it. So yeah. you shouldn't be asking questions that you can find the answer to. Right. But it is this opportunity to show, like, I've thought about this. If I'm, if I'm going so, I've had clients or, or uh, not clients, job seekers come in that show that they read something. So they're like, oh, yeah, what is your opinion about this? Or where do you see the future of your organization going? Yeah. But that, uh, once again, the idea of can you give me enough detail that I know you thought this through? It wasn't a generic question. Right. Um, and so the ones that have wowed me the most are the ones that either have created content, that it's clear that they're like, no, no, no I've, I've actually researched something. I yes. have an opinion. I, um, I, I had a podcaster one time that went back. I had a podcaster that went back probably 10 years into my history and asked me something from like 10 years ago. I'm like, hey, you once said blah, 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 blah. I'm like, first of all, thank you for like caring enough to look that up. B, yeah, things have changed. My answer is different now. But I love that. I love that the, you care enough, the candidate cares enough to dig and to find some things. I love that. Good call. What about yourself? Yeah, I think researching is, um, you know, that, that's a tip off that this person <laughs> like cares. Um, for me, what I spot non-verbally about people is how well organized they are. And here's a crazy story. I was interviewing somebody and they like opened up their briefcase to take something out of it or, you know, like their, their, their backpack in this case. And it was so well organized with like all of these different like file folders and things like that. And like immediately this person communicated like they had their crap together. Yes. Um, and so I think there's a lot about the way that somebody carries themselves that you can tell they're organized, whether, you know, their, you know, stuff is hanging out all over the place during the interview um, or whether they're sort of neat about their thoughts and the way that they present things. I think, you know, an organized thought process yes. um, can be, you know, seen in the way that they carry themselves and just their overall, like, stance in an interview. It sounds really simple, but just keeping yourself sort of like neat no, and tidy I'm, and organized is a big deal. I have a hiring manager years, 100 years ago, that was hiring for project managers. And he would stall the interview at one point, have somebody else come in and take over. And he would go out into the parking lot and look at their car. Yes. And look inside their car. And if their car was a shambles inside, no matter how they presented elsewhere, he wouldn't hire them. 100%. But, but I think if you think about that and you think about the progression of going from laborers to thought workers right. to creators, right. like I think even that needs to be changed a little to go, I don't believe the people who are organized in their thought are always organized at their desk. Oh, 100%. And, and so as you're making that transition or that leap to go, can I ask you a question about how would you go about doing this or how would you explain it or... You know, for me, I probably produce, gosh, almost as much content as you. Everything's, <laughs> literally, everything's a framework. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, yeah, but like, yes, okay. And, it could have been a backhanded compliment. Is what oh, no, like both of us create a ton of content, and, and you might, as a listener, think, <laughs> oh, this is just a roving conversation, right. but especially if you're creating individual content, not an interview, right. there's a flow. 
Right. Like there is a flow to this is the pain, here's the impact, here's how they were thinking about it wrong, here's the right way to think about it, here's the strategy to approach it, here's the steps. Right. And that idea of can I get you to logically unpack an argument and explain the flow and get to a logical conclusion right. um, is a very easy hack to like, I think there's a, I, I can't remember, we sent it out a bunch of times, that now you can use ChatGPT and be like, instead of saying what should I say in the interview, say what is the framework to follow to answer this type of question? Right. So I think it's a star framework or something like that, so that you have this logical flowing way of saying, that's an interesting question, I love why you're asking it, you know what, it, it, I'm guessing it has to do with X, Y, or Z, you know, when I was at, this situation, right. this was a challenge I ran into, here is how we went about thinking through it, this is how we came to a solution. Like, you can tell a lot about somebody in the way, like you said, the way they organize their thought. Mm -hmm. Because we spend way too much in time in meetings without it coming to a conclusion, yeah. or in arguments without it coming to a conclusion, or without being able to state your case. Right, because, you, you're, because you're deep into this, and it's just kind of a, I want to get your take, if everyone's using ChatGPT in that way and answering the question in much less the same way, using different stories, of course, how do you then discern the candidate? Um, you know, I would actually ask them up front. Like, what I want to see isn't the result that came from ChatGPT. I want to see the thread. Got it. Are you, are you asking it questions and expecting it to give you the answer? Are you collaborating with it? Right, 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 I right. I expect that you get to an answer that I can't easily see came from ChatGPT right. if you collaborated to get to it. Yeah. Did you, like, is there a back and forth there as you said, no, I want you to follow this framework or what are some five frameworks I could follow to come up with the answer? Or did you just let it decide for you? Right. Because I don't let Excel decide for me. No. Even as it's starting to give me a, a formula, I'm still like, eh, no, I don't want to use that formula, I want to use this one. So you're trying to figure out once again, like, what is their thought process of how they engaged it? And so being more open of just like, like I've done this on interviews where I'm like, I want you to do this research, I want to see the thread. Yeah. I don't want to see the end result. Right. If it was a programmer, it's the same thing. I don't want to see what you build, I want to see how you built it. Right. How did you think through the organization of your code because the, the output could be, the output could be done a million different ways. Mm -hmm. Like we know that, right? Especially in code, we can yeah. do it. You can get there a thousand different ways. But how did you get there? I love that. How how good of a prompt engineer are you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's surprisingly easy if you move away from. I want to be the engineer of a prompt to, oh, I'm just collaborating, because now yeah. you're just like, driver, what would you need to passenger. know to do this? Yeah. What would you need to know? What questions would you need to answer? Okay, based off my answers, what prompts could I use? I do like this. something as simple as that of going, oh, he's not trying to memorize everything. He right. knows how to collaborate with the smartest person in the room in that instance. Once I've done, once I've gone really deep into kind of a bit with ChatGPT about a particular topic, I'll then ask it, what questions should I be asking? that I haven't asked already. And it's always a trip that they come up with things. It's like, oh, actually, that's what we're spot on. I'm so glad, and I'm learning, and like but, you said. But that one question in a thread would show this person views this as an interaction. That's right. Not as a transaction. That's right. And, uh, and if they recognize that one concept, you can do a whole lot with that individual. 100%. But if their life is very transactional of, I do this, I get back that, and they're not seeing, hey, there's other things I could have done, or there's other ways to manipulate it. I'm trying to manipulate ChatGBT to do things. I want to hire that person. Right. Who's like trying to test its limits or get it to talk differently or, right. 
Yeah. I had to, one of the first things I did with ChatGPT is I had to write my obituary. It was the funniest bit in the world. It's like in 500 words or less, write William Tincup's obituary. And it was 95% on. Like it was crazy spot on. So I woke my wife up at like two in the morning. <laughs> I'm like, hey, listen, when I die, you just all you gotta do is plug this stuff in and it's done. It's just it's just done. She's like, A, that's dark. B, I'm going back to bed. So, so how do y'all look at resume gaps now? Like when do you when you look at on, on LinkedIn or, or otherwise, what do you think about resume gaps when you see a gap in someone's employment? It's definitely something to explore. Um, I think that it's natural and a part of life. Um, and I think, you know, it doesn't, people's journey doesn't have to follow a linear progression. Right. Um, you know, with that said, if there's a pattern of uh, continual starts and stops, that's a red flag. Um, on the other hand, if it is an intentional uh, change that somebody uh, has made in their life and you know, it doesn't fit with the norms, that is totally okay. As long as you can tell the story of why that matters right. and how that's made you into a better professional as a result of uh, whatever those uh, resume gaps are. I mean, all of us have had situations where we've been out of the workforce, whether it's, you know, with kids or education or you want to try something new. I think that's part of life and it's, it's, it's it's uh, something that you really should be seeking out. On the other hand, if it seems like it is uh, just a series of, of sort of random things that can't be explained, um, then that's that's problematic. Ryan, what yourself? Yeah, well, and I think the question is, is it gaps or job hopping, right? Right. Because you have this balance, and it's pretty easy to solve for the gaps. Right. So, like, solving for the gaps is I start a consulting business at the very beginning, and I consult with nobody. <laughs> like, like it's not that hard to game the system. Right, right, right. Um, on that piece, the jumping around is different though. And for me, I think I had 20 jobs by the time I turned 24, something like that. My my daughter actually has a note, a note in her phone where she tracks all the reasons she gave for quitting, because she's afraid <laughs> of reusing the same one and getting in trouble for it. But she's an expert at getting jobs. <laughs> um, so yeah, because I so I think part of it is like context. If you're you know, my mom was a teacher. My dad and mom both worked for the same company for like 30 years. And I couldn't work for the same company for more than three months because <laughs> I'd get bored or it just wasn't driving me or whatever. And so I think opening that up of why, what were you looking for? What what was the, to really figure out like, did they just hit the first mound of resistance and bailed? Right. Or was it true like you can't overcome that hurdle, it was bad situation? Right. And, and a bad situation doesn't need to be my boss is a jerk. It could just literally be like, hey, there was an upward momentum I could clearly see that I couldn't do X, Y, or Z. Um, so I'm probably, I, gosh, Applicant Pro is like 80% female. Right. So as a tech company being 75% part-time, mostly mom, every employee I had had gaps. And even the right. ones that didn't had never been in tech. Right. So you build an entire company out of moms going from, you know, a soccer mom or the, the piano teacher into their first tech job as a support person and then moving up into sales or into product or whatever. Um, yeah, I think on the female side, it never tells the whole story. Right. And and that is where applying the same role to it of why it should be the same for males if there was that reason of I start a family or right. I did whatever. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't even care about the resume. 
literally, like most of the people at Abacom Pro were hired because we gave them a behavioral cognitive assessment. Based off of that, I could predict sales, support, product. Right. And then it was more of like, uh, like what's your personality like? Are you quirky enough that you're gonna do, you, are you gonna be able to figure out the tech side, but still talk to an HR person about it? So can you be smart enough to talk to me about the problem and you know, good enough to talk to an end user about it? Because those are two conversations and that ability to talk through that, I don't care where you work. Right. If you have the ability to be smart around smart people and be like ex explan explanatory around those that are not techie, right. that right there solves huge hurdles across all of tech. I love it. Last question, it's about ghosting. Either candidates ghosting the hiring recruiting folks or the hiring recruiting folks ghosting candidates. What's your current take or your bit around ghosting? It happens too much. Um, I think it happens not only with the, you know, the, the interview and candidating process, but just in throughout business. I think it's just uh, it, it's most evident there. Um, but you know, just in even customer interactions, you know. Uh, I think it's sort of commonplace now, um, and I, I think it's um, it, it it shows. You think we've normalized it? I think we've normalized it, um, yeah. just because of you know how fast interactions are, and you know, and how electronic in most cases. Um, taking sort of the people out of the equation, um, I, I think it's impolite, and I I, I don't recommend it. <laughs> no, I think. I think, well, first of all, let's get Ryan's take. Ryan? I think it's a symptom of a bigger problem. I, I think that's yeah. the way to look at it as far as like, if candidates are ghosting you, it's because you aren't adding enough value. This is just in the the relationship bank account of Stephen Covey. Right. So if you're getting ghosted by an app, it's gonna it means your job ad sucked. Right. Just start from there. Right. The job ad didn't target correctly. It didn't make the case for why you were a great place to work. Either you're a bad place to work, right. in which case you should go solve for that, you or you didn't make your case for why you're a great place to work. But if you are a great place to work, and your job ads clearly make it a, oh my gosh, I should want this job, candidates won't ghost you because they want the job. That's right. If you post a job description and you sound like everybody else, then it's no wonder you're getting lost with everybody else and they have no, it's the, the reason of choice. You want to be chosen by a job seeker when they apply, not just randomly applied. And that's a, a lack like of a deposits. Just like a consumer. Oh, consumer, yeah. you can buy a Mercedes yep. or a BMW. Which one would you, and it's not about the car. Yeah, think about, think about the Cybertruck as an explanation of a job ad. Right. How many job ads are like the Cybertruck? Almost none. Right. And therefore, I, I'm not choosing for or against it. It's just, eh, you know, it's just another job. I'm applying right. for this random sales job at a random company. It could be any company, trade in their name or whatever. Whereas you write a good enough job ad that they can see themselves as the hero in this story. Yeah. It filters like, them in or filters them out. Yeah, or right. if your employees are posty enough. So like at Applicant Pro, we pay for house cleaning. So 400 grand a year in house cleaning benefit to the employees says that they post about it on Facebook. So when we post a job and it's shared via an employee, nobody ghosts us on those. We're the only employer that pays for house cleaning. They know that, they know it up front, they know it early and often, like therefore they show up. Right. Because we've made this deposit in, I know you as a working you mom. You build goodwill. Mm-hmm. And so again, like if you're getting ghosted, go look at your goodwill. Take it internally. Don't don't judge the the generation of being bad or blah 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 right. blah blah. While it is there and all that's true, 
But if you internalize and say, did we not make enough deposits that they would have come back and talked to us? Have we burned this bridge of our of our brand? Have we burned this bridge of like with these job seekers? Are we just too bland? Right. Like those things are actually in your power to solve it. You can't solve macro right. issues of gen kids these days or adults these days. <laughs> yeah. You can solve. I wrote such a great ad that people wanted to talk to me even though they didn't want the job. Right. If, right. if you can achieve that status, people want to talk to me about this job even though they don't want the yeah, job. I'm not even interested in the job. I just want to talk to the person just, yeah. to, just to understand the company. That's a bit. how you know you've crushed your job ads when you get like somebody in Chicago being like, hey, in the from a product manager standpoint, that job ad crushed it. Yeah. That sounds exactly like you know our struggle. Right. And at that point, the other part of it being the same thing, like that email that came out that was from human resources, well, of course they ghosted it. If you write an email that doesn't sound like a real human send it to me, you, you are not a human. That's right. So you don't deserve a response back. 100%. I've, I've said that for years to people. If, if, if someone on the receiving end of the email feels like they're one of 85,000 that got that email, yep. why would they ever respond? So thank you all. I know you all got other stuff to do, but thank you all so much for coming by and being on the podcast. For Bonnie, sure. It was Brian. awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Tom. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening. Until next time. Wow.